1: Hi, and thanks so much for joining me today on 5G Talent Talk. This is Carrie Charles, your host, and I am absolutely thrilled about my guest today. And I know I always say this, and I love all my guests, but I'm especially excited today because I have with me Stefan Yoyorid. He is the CEO of Telia Carrier, and he is now in Stockholm, correct, Stefan?
2: That's correct.
1: Yes. Welcome. Welcome to Five G Talent Talk.
2: Thank you very much, and it's great to be here, Carrie. and uh, Thanks a lot for having me.
1: Absolutely. So let's just start off. Tell me more about uh, Telia Carrier, the products, the services, your network.
2: Absolutely, and I'm uh, thrilled to be able to speak uh, in this show and, and present a little bit about Telia Carrier. Telia Carrier is a is a global organization, and we have services that we're offering are typically internet services, high bandwidth services between data centers, but also direct enterprise services and voice trading services. Our network is uh, spread out uh, throughout the world. So we have uh, the European footprint in North America, uh, but also through Asian markets. And we have uh, legal entities in 34 different countries uh, around the world, uh, but customers in 120 countries around the world. So truly a global operation from that perspective.
1: Wow. So what makes Talia Carrier different?
2: Well, I think we a few different things. Uh, we're really a fantastic blend of people uh, with different uh, nationalities and background in that case. And we're meeting our clients very locally uh, in many ways, uh, which I think is highly appreciated by a lot of our partners and clients that we have uh, out there also the fact that we're very centered in connectivity services, which means that I think everyone is driven around the purpose of providing excellent connectivity services. And I think that sets us apart a little bit. We're maybe a little bit niche uh, in that context, but definitely I think it puts a very clear focus on the mind of everyone in the organization to be able to service our clients to the best possible way.
1: How many employees do you have, Stefan?
2: Uh, We have around 500 employees uh, in the organization and spread out in 20 different countries. So it's truly a global spread of the organization as well.
1: So I know that a very important problem, if you will, that has really become more of an issue since the pandemic has been bridging the digital divide. And what has Talia Carrier done to really work on bridging this digital divide?
2: I think, I mean, first you have to put us a little bit into the context of what we actually do and how far out into either rural areas or different countries that we go. And so we're typically in different data centers, uh, around 330 or so different uh, data centers around the globe. But what I think that we're doing, and that's a gradual expansion of the footprint that we have. Uh, We're trying to get further and further out into new markets and territories where they typically are either underserved in the sense that there aren't that many options for different type of providers and uh, ensuring that we can really offer great connectivity services in many different places and further out in the geographies, essentially. And I think that's our play of trying to sort of uh, enhance and and improve on the digital divide in, in that sense but also making sure that we can provide services to those that are providing services like the one we're on right now and to ensure that people can actually communicate well and uh, professionally in a good manner, whether you're sitting at home or in your office to be able to work. So I think that's sort of where we can contribute in making sure that the digital device is lessened at least, right? And sort of uh, moving forward in a better way for us. So
1: Do you see that this problem is different in different countries, or is it, you know, it, is it the very similar? What are your thoughts?
2: Well, I think it definitely is very different between different countries, to be honest, right? And I think if I look at the the region where I'm from myself, in the the northern region of Europe, then uh, I think that's a region that is very well connected even in many of the rural areas. And, And I think when we saw the pandemic hit and the people starting to utilize the services from different locations than typically the office locations and things like that, we actually didn't see that much traffic growth out in the Nordic region uh, because I think it's a very well connected area already. While you could see definitely in other countries that we're connecting to that the, the traffic extensions were quite massive in many different countries and out of different countries. And I think that's driven very much that there are different. Should you put it, pockets or areas, even in very well-connected countries that are having issues with good connectivity. Then, of course, if you're moving further out, I think uh, maybe mobile connectivity might be a, a better choice uh, for many than fixed services and so forth. So I think it differs a lot, almost country by country, no matter if you're in the developing world or in, in the Western world in that sense. I, I still think that that's, uh, you can still find poor connectivity and you can find great connectivity in both of them. <laughs>
1: We we need help everywhere,
2: everywhere. (laughs) I I, I do believe so, right? I I mean, there is still a ways to go for having everyone having extraordinary connectivity no matter where you are and no matter where you work, essentially, right? So,
1: Do you believe that can happen?
2: uh, Well, that's what drives me, to be honest. So yes, I believe. Is it going to be quick? Most likely not, Uh, but I definitely believe it's going to happen over time. Especially I think now when you're seeing that people are moving around and sitting, working in in so many different places than what they used to do before. That might be a bit of a driver to accelerate that, but we definitely have ways to go before everyone is extraordinarily well connected. And it will happen, hopefully in my lifetime.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, hopefully you're going to be a big part of that. So it sounds like that's exciting. So, you know, it's been one year since, you know, the pandemic just shattered our worlds, our lives, our global economy. How has this pandemic changed the telecom industry and really put a magnifying lens on leadership and culture?
2: Oh, that's a, that's a big question. <laughs>
1: I know you can't answer that in, in just a few minutes. That's, that's like a whole yeah. book, right? You'd yeah. have to write a book. <laughs> yeah.
2: But I mean, it changed in many ways, right? I, I think the industry per se, I, I think it really clarifies the fact that the telecommunications industry is actually very important for enabling great connectivity and great services so that people can actually communicate with their loved ones no matter where they are, essentially. Uh, so that's important for the industry to get a little bit of a rejuvenation almost in, in that context of actually the importance for that. But in terms of leadership and in terms of both customer engagement, but also employee engagement, uh, and I think it's very important that from my point of view and what's driving me a lot in that sense, and it, especially in the pandemic era, in that case, is that people feel that they're empowered. And if mm. they feel that they're empowered and that they can actually do and make decisions by themselves and sort of intuitively almost know what they're supposed to take care of and do, I think that's a key feature, especially in this, because you're not having your colleague next to you that you can ask and do those questions, at least not in an easy manner. So you have to feel that empowerment uh, on a day to day decision making, essentially, when when you're sitting in front of a, a client or someone else to really make sure that you can move forward at all points in time. So hmm. I think that's been Very important to me that people have information at their fingertips so that they feel empowered from what they know and that they also have a cultural backing in that sense uh, from the organization where they know that if they make decisions, that would also be highly appreciated in the organization, in the culture of the organization. So those are important things to me, at least.
1: Empowerment. Yeah. That, that's, I love that. What a silver lining. And we'll talk a little bit more about those silver linings later. But you know, last year, we were all sitting really in our homes and in our own worlds, experiencing the effects of the pandemic from you know, our circle. And there, are, there were global effects to COVID. And I'd like, in your opinion, what an impact did COVID-19 have on the global network? Like give us a bigger view.
2: Yeah, but I think what we've seen, and I think the whole industry really has seen that in many ways, and I think it's a common phenomenon that, first of all, I think the the heartening thing in, in when the pandemic hit, I think everyone was sort of going back to a little bit of the engineering core of internet and communication and really saying, okay, fine, let's just make sure that this works. Let's try to ensure that we get enough connectivity between the different networks up and running so that we can really ensure that it works. Then we saw an, a tremendous surge. And I think that was not just us as Telia carrier I think anyone that was providing very global services in that way saw that growth. And it was almost like a full year growth in three to four weeks. So it was very rapid. Uh, and the. Uh, but it worked uh, very well, I think, also due to the fact that a lot of people actually were going back to a bit of the engineering core, because it's, it's extraordinarily important that you have your own network in order, but it's also very important that the interconnections with the, the internet is global. So you have to have those connectivities working between the different parties on the internet as well. And I think that that was really a big effort put in by the whole industry in that case. And it really made it work, even if it was such a surge in such a short time frame then it continued growing during the year and i think we saw uh, probably about maybe about 50 55% growth during the full year which is then typically it's, a, it's around 30% or so so i think a lot of efforts during the year was to really keep up and keep the pace um, but I think the industry really managed well, and I think I'm very proud of Telia Carrier and, and the employees in Telia Carrier really managing that situation well, both internally, but also towards our customers. But the whole industry did a, f- a phenomenal job as well. And everyone afterwards, of course, says that they had great preparedness and all the fantastic plans, <laughs> and that's why it worked. But I think it was a, a little bit of a collective effort as well to really make sure that it uh, it, it worked throughout that period.
1: Is there anything that you are doing differently based on what you learned from what you went through last year? Anything that, let's say, changed the goals that you have in the company or the trajectory a little bit?
2: I would say to some extent, I think that we may have felt that it's accelerated a bit of the change that predominantly, I would say, the enterprise market in that way is going through now and and actually rethinking a lot of the ways that they're building their network for the needs of the enterprise and for the employees of the enterprise. I think that has changed, I think, a little bit on our strategic trajectory in that sense to to sort of... uh, service that market and, and that segment, because it's not all enterprises at once. I, I think that's a little bit depending on readiness and where you are in your decision making and, and all these kind of things. But uh, at the same time, there are, it's accelerated quite many different companies that are moving in that direction. And I think that was a change uh, during the
1: mm. last year. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. So what do you see as a silver lining for leaders from the pandemic?
2: Oh, whew, I don't know. Is there a silver lining? <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, but, uh, no. But I, um, but I think the at least looking at from my organizations and from that point of view, I think we've been uh, maybe very focused on making sure that people are in the office a lot and and you know working there. I think the silver lining around it, both for the employees and for the sort of for myself in that sense as well, is that we've seen this work. The, the fact that people are very distributed in the organization, maybe see them working from home, very uh, long time periods. And, and and people can, in that sense, once we're out of the pandemic in full, um, my view is that we should have much more of a freedom, essentially, in terms of selecting where you work from. If you work from the office or at home, so that you're actually able to accommodate uh, different types of employees' needs, uh, essentially, at, at the different time spans that they have. And, uh at the same time, as it's important to guard the fact that people need to meet um, because that's a culture bearer as well, right, in, in terms of the, the actual meeting. But, but to have more freedom in choosing a little bit in where you work from to accommodate different needs that you have in different phases of your life, essentially, when you're, and maybe for a time, have more importance to work from home. And that hopefully can attract more employees to our organization as well and qualify the people to our organization as well.
1: You know, you're absolutely right, Stefan. We are finding as a staffing firm that many candidates are uh, asking for remote work or hybrid remote work and they're getting it. And it is a barrier many times to the companies who, you know, who don't allow that freedom and flexibility. So I do think that that is, I agree with that. I do think it is a silver lining and it's an opportunity for companies to, you know, to rethink their model and, you know, look for the benefits there. So I, I agree with that. You know, you have a really unique view of company culture through the lens of customer experience. Can you talk more about your perspective here?
2: Yeah. And I I think it goes back a little bit to what I was talking about earlier in terms of empowerment, right? And and, and making sure. And I, I think we've discussed this a lot in, internally in the organization of trying to make everyone understand and, and talk about it in the context of that you meet the customer in so many different phases of their interactions with you. So all different parts of the organization is equally important. And uh, Sometimes you may Just focus on customer experience and in the meeting with the sales organization or just in customer care. But I think it's equally important throughout the entire chain within the organization that everyone feels that it's customer first, but also that you feel empowered to actually deal with the customer in a professional and good manner where you feel enough empowerment in that case to actually make your own call a little bit in those interactions with the client, no matter where in the process, if you put it that way, or in the different touch points that you're interacting with the customer. And I think that's. That to me is very crucial because if you do that in the the experience of interacting with Telia carrier in that case is consistent no matter which part of the organization you're interacting with. And I think that's extraordinarily important so that you don't feel mm-hmm. that it's a divergent organization essentially that is uh, interacting in different manners depending on which part of the organization you're interacting with. It is challenging for sure to make sure that everyone is on, on that level. I think there are a lot of great books driven about, uh, written about, you know, customer life cycles and things like that from a consumer perspective, but then it's only one individual, right? And when yeah. you're interacting with B2B or enterprises, it's many different touch points that you have with those organizations as well. So I think you have to think about how do you actually meet up those different functions within the B two B organization in the best possible manner, which is very different from. There are a lot of books written about customer experience from an individual consumer mm-hmm. basis, but very little well written, I think, on B two B customer experience and how you actually mitigate those kind of different views. That because it's so many different uh, people and and the touch points that you interact with. I I think
1: this is an opportunity for you to write that book, Stefan.
2: Yeah, I was was thinking you were going to write it, and I'm going (laughs) to try to edit yours instead. Okay, okay, you got it.
1: We'll work it out. (laughs) No, that's, that's great. You know, you said empowerment a few times, which I just love the concept and idea of empowering people. And how do you empower people in your
2: organization? Yeah, that's a fantastic question, because I think it our organization is fairly, let's say it's 500 people. So it's not huge. Um, it's a very flat structure of the organization. Uh, so it's, it's pretty close from all different levels of the organization for reachability. I think everyone feels that they can reach out as well in, in different directions. We're not necessarily you know, extraordinarily hierarchical so that you have to go up and down the chain all the time. But it's a lot of cross-functional discussions going on, which makes people view things from different angles. And if mm-hmm. you do that, and at the same time, you feel that you have the right to make your own individual decisions and that you don't have to go up and check every time and see, okay, fine, is this the way that I'm supposed to act or not? then people become empowered and they feel that they can really make decisions of their own. And everyone makes mistakes every once in a while. I make mistakes. I think everyone does, right? So but let's not repeat the mistakes right. over and over again. And that's fine. But if you do that, and it's allowed to like make a little bit of mistakes and then that you feel that it's more important that you progress and make decision, then people feel empowered. And I think that's very important uh, for for people to actually make it be a natural part of what you do, rather than something that you're trying to, you know, enforce or whatever you want to call it, in in that sense. Right.
1: No, you're. You know, something that you said in I believe one of your articles or blogs. The first thing is that this customer experience, in your view of it, promotes a sense of ownership from everyone in the organization, and you just described that. Right. The other thing that you said, which I I just love this. I want to live in a world where customer experience is no longer a differentiator but a commodity. Yeah. That was good. That's really good because it's yeah, we, it's we absolutely hope, we difficult.
2: hope we get there sometime right.
1: Right. There. No, I I agree. I love that. So, you know, you have a unique view because you work in so many different countries with so many different cultures and, you know, and operations and trends and all of that. So, if you take a look at the telecom globally what trends are you seeing over let's say the next one to three years uh,
2: well of course i can say if we now call this 5g talent or 5g is on everyone's lips anyway <laughs> so, right. so, so that's like that's a clear trend in, in so many ways but I, I think we're in a little bit of a shift in some senses when you look at the typical technology side and, and things like that because we're going much more from let's say, environments that are a bit more disaggregated from each other so that you're not necessarily having to buy things in that manner, which is positive. And that's a clear trend, I think. What we're also seeing is, of course, that, and what's driving a lot of the development is the massive volumes of connectivity needs that are are being serviced in, in the data center environments. But we definitely see that those components and services and things that have been there is being moved into the core network footprints as well which I think is a, a clear driver and trend in the entire telecommunications industry of, of servicing that in a completely different manner. So I think those are from that perspective the most. Then I'm a firm believer that the pandemic, with the, if there is a silver lining to it in any way whatsoever, but it's really accelerated the demand and the need for public internet and for internet services in general. And that's a clear trend throughout the global markets as well.
1: Hmm. So what is on your agenda for 2021? What's your focus for Telia Carrier?
2: Uh, I would say in the short-term perspective, I think it is very much in uh, focusing on, on uh, keep on gradually expanding our network, making sure that we're putting ourselves in the right position. I think what we learned from the pandemic is also something that we're carrying with us into 2021. And it, it's really to, let's say, modularize the, the network a little bit more so that you can do expansions much quicker. And then what we were able to traditionally, and and that's definitely something that we're spending a lot of time and effort on in 2021 to essentially make sure that we can scale uh, our network in a better way, in a more efficient way uh, than than what we typically have been able to do before. And that being able to do that, I mean, we're not doing that for the internal purpose. It's really to make sure that we're readily available to be able to meet those continued demands that we're seeing and right. continue expanding our footprint into different data centers or pop locations or whatever you call it then to, uh, to be there, but also be able to service for those uh, higher needs essentially that we see coming out of last year.
1: Right, right. Who are your customers globally?
2: Uh, well, our customers globally are, if I, if I do it really short, I think it's vast majority of those that have high bandwidth demands uh, or that they have moved their parts of or, or their entire business model over to the global internet those are typically our clients so it's anything from operators and not network service providers to large content players to you know, security companies to media companies and uh, various different other type of verticals that essentially have moved their business model and or are on their way of moving their business model to the internet
1: so where do you see yourself, let's say, and let's just go way out. Let's go 10 years from now, because you're young. You're you're <laughs> going to be here in 10 years. I mean, where are we going to be? Where is Talia Carrier going to be? Where are, you, where are we going to be as an industry
2: globally? Uh, going back to a little bit on what you were talking about before with the digital divide in that case, and I, I think in, in some ways for, where I would like to see ourselves uh, is to be pretty much in every market. There mm-hmm. would be... Ten years is not probably may not be long enough for that, but <laughs> but I would because I'm driven by connectivity enablement uh, essentially, and, and making sure that we uh, we are in markets that we that is having high needs and requirement, and that internet is really perceived as a business critical aspect of what you're doing. But my dream would be that Tera Kerry was everywhere. <laughs> that's a uh, that's um, a good dream.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's a good dream. What drives you? I tend to ask this question from leaders many times to find out what is your why? What gets you up in the morning? Obviously, you face challenges every single day. So what drives you?
2: I think going back, I think it is that I think I make and we make a difference as, a, a difference as an organization. And I think that's what drives me on a daily basis, to be honest. And it, it, it's exciting. And uh, if yeah. you go back to that core of what it is that we're doing and we're core fundament of one of the most let's say in world changing technologies that internet really is. And it's still, even if it now has as a commercialized service, maybe 25, 26 years, depending on how you calculate it on and as a service, but it's still an infant in in some ways. It's it's so much development left and there is so much more movement left in how internet and internet services and everything around it is going to be connected. So that's definitely what makes me get up in the morning. So.
1: Well, I believe that you're going to do it in every market, (laughs) in every country, all over the world. And uh, I have no doubt in my mind. (laughs) So where would we go to find out more information about Telia Carrier?
2: Well, I think, of course, LinkedIn, Twitter is always good. Telia Carrier, a handle there. uh, And then uh, www.teliacarrier.com as well. Uh, Very good. Good sources.
1: Very good. Stefan, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I know I learned a lot and uh, I just wish you all the best and hopefully we could do it again someday.
2: Thank you very much. And nice being
0: here.
1: Yes, you take care.
0: You too. Thank you for listening to another informative episode of 5G Talent Talk, brought to you by RCR Wireless News, Telecom Careers, and Broadstaff Talent Solutions. As we advance into the future, we promise to bring you the resources you need to navigate this ever-changing landscape of 5G to help you attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. To access the show notes or leave a review, visit broadstaffglobal.com. Until next time.